Carl Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this is Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. This week we watched and we'll be talking about The Incredibles. Jan, do you want to tell us about this movie? The Incredibles is a 2004 Pixar movie. It is written and directed by Brad Bird. It stars Craig T. Nelson, Holly Hunter, Sarah Vowell, Jason Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, among a few others. It is the first Pixar movie to star humans instead of animals. Or lamps. Or lamps. Or toys. Yes. Human characters, as opposed to objects or (laughs) animals. Would you like to tell us a little bit about the plot of The Incredibles, Paul Moffat? I sure would. After superheroes are driven into hiding because they've become a financial liability to the government, Mr. Incredible finds himself wishing to relive the glory days. He receives a mysterious offer to engage in mysterious heroics, only to discover that his employer is actually a villainous syndrome who was once rebuffed by Mr. Incredible when he wanted to be Mr. Incredible's sidekick. Meanwhile, Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl's children head off on a jet to rescue Mr. Incredible. All four of the superheroes unite, make a team, and defeat Syndrome in the end. The end. And become a superhero crime fighting They family. become the world's first superhero family the first ever time anyone had the idea of a whole family of superheroes maybe four of them who are fantastic together there's five of them five of them by the end jack jack is also incredible so let's start as we usually do i am going to guess that this is going to be a section uh, one of these movies where we go pretty quickly through the quality of the movie uh, but maybe we won't. Maybe you'll have things to say that are, isn't what I'm going to say. How good a movie is this, do you think? There's a reason why this movie has lasted in popularity, and it's because it's a good movie. It's well done. It's a great superhero movie. It's a, it is a fun superhero romp, and it's uh, cleverly written, cleverly acted, well-designed. It suffers a little bit from being, watching it now, it suffers a little bit from, in animation terms, there's several parts of the animation that are just not up to current standards, especially Pixar standards. But of the time, it was quite good. Yeah, I think uh, this movie, in terms of the quality, in terms of the quality of the craft, is just good across the board. I don't think there's any aspect of the craft that isn't really very good Mm -hmm. uh as you say like the animation of water and other slick surfaces like the animation of the texture of the suits for example yeah feels like computer animation used to feel where it's like plasticky looking Mm -hmm. and it's too smooth really only because pixar has gone come so far since This movie, I mean, other people have also, but Pixar has really been the studio pushing the envelope here. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That now it looks kind of 
flat plasticky and oh this animation of water and shiny surfaces isn't very good compared to what they do now but even that said like the animation the design and the aesthetic on this world and these characters is just top notch Mm -hmm. it's such a good looking movie yeah i love like the art deco 60s look to it the the way their house is designed the way the cars are designed everything from the way the characters are designed like mr incredible is very triangular elastigirl is very tall and skinny it's just every every aspect of it violet's hair is very distinctive there's just a very sharp character design on all of these characters yeah, I uh, agree. So what are highlights and lowlights of the quality? I think that the uh, aesthetic design, like the the world, not the world building in the sense of the fantasy world that they are building, but the in the very world? visual sense, the visual world that they've placed us in is a highlight. It's so good looking. It's so uh, cohesive. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that's a highlight. I'm going to call Craig T. Nelson's uh, voice acting a highlight. Mm -hmm. I think him as Mr. Incredible is great. And, like, I have no warm, nostalgic feelings about Craig T. Nelson. Coach existed. I don't think I've ever watched it. So I'm not, like, going in being like, he's the person that I love. I Just, like, on the merits of this movie, he's Mm -hmm. great as Mr. Incredible. He is. He really is. The voice acting is great all across the board, but I think he is the standout to me. Yeah. I love, uh, this is more getting personal, but Sarah Vowell as Violet. I Her voice is very distinctive and memorable. I think Spencer Fox as Dash does a great job. He His voice is distinctive and childlike and animated in that, in like the uh, emotional way. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he was well-directed, clearly Brad Bird. And speaking of Brad Bird, Brad Bird as Edna. Oh, yeah. Another like highlight. In such a highlight. In fact, I said Craig T. Nelson, but like Brad Bird's Edna is a vocal performance highlight for sure. Well, and I looked up like as we were watching this movie, I knew that that was Brad Bird. And I thought, is he, has he done other voice work? Is he like... You know, he does yep. these movies, he does lots of voice, he does lots of things. Does he also do lots of voice work? And I looked him up and no, he's done a couple of things, but no, he's Edna. He just like, he wanted her voice to sound a certain way. And people were like, no, your voice is perfect. And so he did his voice for it. It is perfect. And it is perfect. It's a great, great voice. And a great character. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another thing I want to suggest as a highlight is just the writing. Uh, Mm -hmm. Both the script is very tight and funny and there's a lot of humor in the, and the banter, like the script is really good, but also in terms of plotting, like this is a well-written, well-plotted movie where things connect to each other well and uh, things like if it's your seventh watch, uh, (laughs) it's not surprising (laughs) anymore, but remember, try to cast your mind back to how like, syndrome is buddy from the beginning yeah that wasn't obvious no but in retrospect it is obvious and that's Mm -hmm. how you know it's a well-written movie yeah is it you can watch it a second time and go oh yeah it was obvious all along yeah yeah and likewise uh not the same kind of uh 
foreshadowing of something obvious, but the way that Syndrome reappears at the end in their house is really good storytelling because so many movies would end with they defeated the villain, they uh, are, you know, he's gonna he's caught or he's gonna be caught or like he's run away for a sequel, but it's the same kind of, I mean, uh, emotionally what happens is they mm-hmm. go off on this adventure and then they come home to where they think they're gonna be safe and the danger has come into their home. Mm-hmm. And that's where it ends is like you don't go away from your home to have your great adventure and then come back to safety what you go out and encounter in the world comes back with you. Mm -hmm. So it's symbolically and thematically, as well as just storytelling, it's a good uh, place to end it instead of ending it one beat earlier. Mm -hmm. I really think it's strong storytelling ending it there. I agree. I think you can tell it's, it's one consistent writer through the whole movie, because I think if it was more than one writer, they might have forgotten that that syndrome wasn't fully defeated by the end. Right. And this script remembers those things because it's only one, only him. And there might have been other people that worked on it that are uncredited, but it's very singular in its focus. It is. And what you just said, like, I totally think that's a good way of putting it. The script remembers what it has said before. Anything that you would consider lowlights in terms of the quality or craft of this movie? Well, I've already mentioned a little bit of the animation is a bit of a low light when you watch it now, you know, 20 years later, or not twenty, quite 20 years later, but 15 years later. Mm-hmm. I think mostly all of my low lights are more in the way too seriously vein. Yep. My only real one is the tech, the water, the animation of water is not great. And even at the time it looked kind of plasticky and my real... I'm torn between, on one hand, like, kudos to Pixar for always pushing the envelope, and they do things that are difficult. But on the other hand, if you can't animate water so it looks good, why do you have so many scenes of people falling in the water and swimming? Like, just don't have a scene of them swimming if you can't actually do it, and they can't quite do it yet. Yeah. So it feels mean to pick on the, I mean, to pick on the animation when the animation, in some other ways, is stellar. Mm-hmm. But that is the low light. The low light is the way they animate water in this movie. Yeah. Apart from the objective judgments, how much did you like this movie? I really like The Incredibles. I've always enjoyed this movie a lot. I find it really funny and really touching and really, like, it's a good superhero movie. There are a lot of, like, individual lines that really stick with me that I love. And... And the characters, like, I really love Elastigirl, I really love Violet, and Dash, and I, there's just a lot of good characters, and that's what I come to a movie for a lot of the time. Yep. I I said earlier that I think in terms of quality, I have little to fault this movie for. I think it's really good in an objective sense. I think I enjoy it more than I think it's good. Mm, yeah. Right? And that's, like, I think it's good. I think it's quite good, but I think I enjoy it even more than I objectively think it's good. Mm-hmm. I really like this movie. I think it's great, and I it, I enjoy it on my however manyth watch this is. I like almost everything about it. So many moments that I enjoy, so many like characters what? that I enjoy. I like all the parts with uh, the... 
uh, with him and the insurance company and with uh, Wallace Shawn. Right. I love Wallace Shawn and his character in this is one of my favorite of his characters. I mean, he's great in Pixar movies. He's great as the dinosaur in the Toy Stories. Yes. <laughs> Toy Story series. But I like his uh, <laughs> unlikable character in this. Uh, and it's funny and also, like, thematically meaningful. I love the puns throughout, like, bum voyage, uh, the villain. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that he just speaks French the entire time yep. is hilarious. Carrie the babysitter. Yeah. Kari, I mean. Kari the babysitter. I'm like, there were several times on this watch that I said to you, like, oh, this is the best part. Oh, this is a really, this is the best line of the movie coming up. Yeah. When, like, she's like, you know, I wish my parents played Mozart when I slept because half the time I don't even know what the heck anyone's talking about. <laughs> that is just a really, yeah, it's a really funny great line. line. Funny delivery. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, the moment when Dash is running on water and he suddenly stops and sinks and the two ships crash into each other. Like, right. That is just a great little action sequence. Mm-hmm. It's an objectively great action sequence. I like the way that this is a stealth James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a superhero movie, but secretly it's not a superhero movie. It's a spy movie. Yes. And it's specifically very spy. it's a James Bond movie because there's even a volcano, <laughs> a yeah. volcano fortress. Uh, but it's a really good James Bond movie. One of the better ones that like the sneak, the way that they all sneak in and use their wits and. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really thought of it as a James Bond movie. I think I've heard of it several times, but I think the most recent time I did, I feel fairly sure that Matthew Vos on a PC Deprived episode about The Incredibles talked about it, mentioned oh, yeah? that. Oh, okay. I did listen to that episode. I must have forgotten. Maybe, maybe he didn't. Maybe I'm imagining that, but I think he talked about it on that episode. In any case... It's definitely a spy movie. Even the music is very spyish. And by the way, speaking of uh, things that I really like about this movie, the music is great. I really like mm, the music. It does have good music. It's very spyish. Yeah. It's very James Bond spy, move, spy movie music. One thing about enjoyment and preferences. Mm-hmm. I like the blue suit better than the red suit. Me too. I I generally always like blue better than anything else. But I agree. I kind of like the blue suit better. It doesn't quite pop the same way yeah. that the red does. I can see. It's true. It looks red. so uh, classy. The blue yeah. suit looks classy. Looks more Superman-esque. The blue one? Yeah. Well, maybe that's why I like it. So that's maybe why you like it, and maybe why they changed it, So because they didn't want him to be straight up Superman. Yeah, well, he isn't Superman. He can't fly, and he doesn't shoot lasers out of his eyes. <laughs> and his hair is the wrong color, and he wears a mask, and he drives a car. You know, He's not an alien. Our daughter was talking to her friend about laser eye surgery, and he, he wears glasses, and she was telling him, you can get laser eye surgery, and he was really disappointed to find out it didn't mean that lasers would shoot out of his eyes. That is disappointing. I know, right? I haven't heard that story, but as soon as you said it, because of the context, I knew where it was going to end. And yeah, laser eye surgery is one of the great disappointing names right along there with daylight savings. True enough. <laughs> 
So do we move into the way, 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 way portion of our show? Let's. Where do you want to start with way too seriously? I want to start with a bit more of a, a happy way too seriously, which right. is about uh, Elastigirl and Mr. Incredible's marriage that okay. I really enjoy that this is the, a portrayal of a husband and wife on a, in a kid's movie that's happy and affectionate and also arguey mm-hmm. and but in general they've been married a long time you know they've got three kids it's been i don't know 20 years since the whole superhero shutdown thing yeah i don't know if they tell us a number of years yeah a while a while and they're just a happy couple and they have their problems and they have their fights and the whole thing is about them having fights but like I just really enjoy that about them. I think it's refreshing. I think it's so many, much of the time in kids' movies, one of the parents is dead. They're evil. They're, there's just something. I don't know. I like it. I totally agree. I think one of the things I really like about it is that they fight, but are still affectionate. The way they depict a married couple fighting in this movie, kids' movies I totally agree, tend to do one of two things. They tend to either have one dimension, a one-dimensional relationship between the parents, if there is a relationship at all. Like, if there are two parents and they're married and their marriage is supposed to be happy, it's just like... It's overly saccharine. Overly saccharine. Yep. Or they go too far the other way and they do the, like... Uh, what pops immediately into my mind is the Captain Underpants of, like, you probably have never seen grown-ups that like each other because your parents are married, right? Yeah. And they have them bickering, but they don't have... They have them just be bickering all the time. Yeah. Um, and that bickering can be played for laughs well. Like, it could be funny. I'm not thinking of a specific example of I, them the, talking. The part about where they're fighting about what off-ramp to get off at. And I even turned to our daughter and was like, oh, man, parents never fight about what direction to go in a car and she laughed and said you and daddy do that and yeah we totally do (laughs) but i just really like the the way that they fight and yet uh the movie shows us enough of them actually making up and actually loving each other beneath it and it doesn't just take for granted that there's love underneath the bickering Mm -hmm. i've seen this in kids movies and then also in real life like i remember when we were newlyweds, we used to bicker in public as a bit, quite a lot. Yeah. And then, uh, like, some friends who also did that got divorced. And it made me think, like, I kind of assumed that they were putting on a show by bickering. But no, that was just, like, what they were, how they felt about each other. Yeah. And that made me want to deliberately kind of tone down the public bickering. Yeah. But it also makes me think of in movies, like when you have the married couple that bicker all the time, I think it is good for both kids and adults to see loving relationships. Mm -hmm. I think it's good for both kids and adults to see relationships where there's a fight and that doesn't mean the end of the relationship. Yeah. I think that like that fighting over the off ramp, the fighting, the moment that is one of the best moments in the movie, both for comedy and for like, the emotion of it where she's 
they're running through the jungle and he says, You keep trying to pick a fight, but I'm still just happy you're alive. Yeah, exactly. I love that part. Funny, but it's also like, yeah. Yeah, he's just like, I'm just, I, I thought you were, I thought so you were all dead. Alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought you were all dead and now you're, it turns out you're actually alive and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, there are some issues though to go past that into, uh, Elastigirl does have her moments of being the very like housewife, stay at home mom, henpecked, taking over her husband's schedule, the yeah. dad comes home and isn't is disengaged from his family. Yeah. Is a bit of a playing on stereotypes, although it portrays them as bad. Yeah. And it, it calls does, them out. It calls them out. Really explicitly. Yeah. But I do agree. There's the... Even at the beginning, their relationship is more complicated than it might seem like it's going to be. Mm. Like their fight in the middle of the night uh, that is much less affectionate than their bickering later in the movie. But mm-hmm. their fight in the middle of the night when he's been out uh, rescuing people uh, plays on these stereotypes, but also complicates things by calling them out explicitly, by naming what it is that he's doing, uh, by you know, putting a label on it and expressing why it is a bad way for him to be behaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I do agree. Like, they depict her, especially at first, as this, you know, the ball and chain who's preventing him from living a fulfilled life. Yeah. But in the end, she and the other female characters in this movie are very fully developed and with their own motivations and with their own characters... Except for one. Tell us about that one, Jan. What is the deal with Mirage? What is her motivation? What is her superpower? What is her point? Besides being basically a sexy Bond girl. Yeah. She doesn't have one. Yeah. Right? She exists to... uh, In world, she exists as a shield between Syndrome and the superheroes that he is Mm -hmm. uh, hiring. So that kind of makes sense within the world for for Syndrome. Yep. Her motivation, she says she's attracted to power. That's about as much as we get Mm -hmm. of a motivation for her. And it's pretty shallow and weak. Yep. Pretty weak. And then outside of the world, why does she exist? Well, because we want to suggest the possibility that he's being unfaithful to Helen. That yes. like she's uh, seducing him. Yes, and absolutely. And we want to create these two love triangles between Bob, Helen, and Mirage, and Mirage, Bob, and Syndrome. Yes. So she's like Syndrome's arm candy, except that maybe she's actually wants to be with uh Mr. Incredible instead and like all of that is I think unworthy. And all of that it makes her an object instead of uh, a fully developed person. Yeah. She's very objectified in this movie. By the movie. By the movie. And it really bothers me that she says right off the bat her first interaction with her is I'm like you. We don't exist to thanks to the government, which means she has superpowers. But we never, ever see what those superpowers are. 
I don't know that it necessarily means it's because of the superpowers. She says that according to the government, she, like him, doesn't exist. That's what is alike between them. So it could be all kinds of things. It could be that she's a criminal who is, you know, uh, flying under the radar of the government. It could be that she's uh, has... I'm just, like, pushing slightly on that there was room to develop her in a lot of different ways that might have been interesting. And it's a failure of the movie that they don't develop her in any of them. I don't think that we can take for granted that she's uh, supposed to have superpowers. Mm, Disagree. (laughs) I think it hints pretty strongly. And and her name is Mirage. Yeah, and then, like, what's that? I think, yeah. I think that, I hope that she's still alive, so she's still around for the second movie, and maybe in the second movie she'll get some more stuff. Or maybe she won't be there at all. Maybe. Who knows? We'll find out in June when we go see Incredibles 2. What do we think? In terms of Helen uh, Elastigirl, two things worth kind of picking apart with her. Mm-hmm. I was g- driving towards another one, but let's stop for a second on Elastigirl. Uh Girl, not woman. Yeah, do we yeah. want to comment on that at all? I mean, it's playing off an age-old trope of Supergirl, Batgirl, etc. It's hard to comment on that without commenting on the whole history of comics. So comment on the whole history of comics. Why is it Supergirl and not Superwoman? One um, Batgirl and not Batwoman? There is a Batwoman now. There's was a Wonder Woman pretty quickly, and there have been superwomen. But why are these uh, female equivalents of these uh, major superheroes usually blank girl? And why is the standard superhero name blank man and blank girl? Well, I mean, there's a benefit of the doubt explanation, which is Girl has one syllable. It helps. Man has one syllable, and so it's easier to say. It's it's catchier. Mm-hmm. That's kind of giving them the benefit of the doubt. But there's also the uh, women are infantile and can still be called girl, where men are allowed to be called men. Yeah. Women are uh, cutesy and girlish and It's a way small. of diminishing women, It's diminishing, right? yeah. Um. Yeah. I just, we don't need to spend hours on it, but no. just to like actually point that out. And I think the only reason she's the last to girl in this movie is just because she's the same as the other, the history of comics, the history of superheroes, superheroines. Except that, I think you're right, but they reproduce uncritically and you have to have quite a bit of meta knowledge and critic apply quite a lot of critical reading Yes. To take that as a criticism rather than an endorsement. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. It might be a criticism, but I think, like, you know, they're just, haha, she's Elastigirl, but she's an adult. <laughs> yep. And she continues to be called Elastigirl as, like, a mother of three. She, it's a hard, the only thing to say is she presumably chose this nickname or gained this nickname when she was a girl. Yeah. And is now a woman with the same name because what else are you going to, like, are you going to just change it when you get old enough? That's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's a thing. 
the other thing I wanted to talk about about uh, her was the scene with her and Edna Mode, where she thinks that Bob is cheating on her. She knows that Bob has been lying to her, and she says, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And Edna smacks her in the face and says, what are you going to do? You will show him you remember that he is Mr. Incredible, and you will remind him who you are. What do we think of that as a moment for her character? Mm-hmm. I think that's an empowering moment. I think it's showing she, Edna is slapping some sense into her and saying, you are Elastigirl. You said at the very beginning of the movie, she says, Leave the saving of the world to the men? I don't think so. She, yeah. uh, she's, Edna is reminding her of her worth. Yeah. And that she can be a superhero the same way her husband is being. And the only reason she's not is because she's a stickler for the rules. Yeah. I Which like... is the domain of women to be a stickler for the rules. Yeah, it is. I like that moment quite a lot. Uh, as a viewer, I think that it's putting in the mouth of a character, a philosophy that the movie has decided to adopt. Mm-hmm. And that, I've complained in past movies often, most recently in Aladdin, about putting into the mouth of the character, I'm not a prize to be won, and then treating her like a prize to be won. And this movie puts into a mouth of a character, you're not, like, you remind him who you are, you're a superhero too, isn't the words, but is the Mm -hmm. context, and it takes that seriously. And it spends from that moment on in the movie, she is, she has much more agency from that moment on. Mm-hmm. She's doing stuff. Absolutely. She's active. She's making plans. She rescues him. This is a movie where Mr. Incredible is damseled. Yes, that's a good point. And she rescues him. Yeah. And Mirage rescues him. Yeah, that too. As well. So, like, I just think that's a really good moment, and mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And I especially like that the movie believes it. Mm-hmm. it doesn't. It isn't hollow. The movie actually believes it. And then they return to that idea when he says, you know, you can't come and join this fight because I'm not strong enough. And there's a bit of, like, misunderstanding. Does he mean that he's, you know, has to, that he's not physically strong enough? But no, he's referring to not being emotionally strong enough to deal with losing her again. But she doesn't accept that as, oh, okay, you go and protect me. She says, like, I'm here to help yeah because you don't have to be strong i'm strong mm-hmm. right yeah uh i think that's another really good moment that you is. don't have to be alone and that's not about a superhero it's like emotionally you don't have to be strong enough to bear losing me you have to recognize that i am your partner who is going to help you and you're not tasked with the job of protecting me we together are tasked with the job of achieving this whatever it is. Uh, I think it's great. I like I think, it. I think it's most poignant at the very end when he throws her to catch Jack, mm-hmm. that they're working together as a team to help their child, that she's thinking, you know, I have to throw something. And he's like, we can't throw anything. You're going to hurt him. And she, finally she's like, no, throw me. And he, with barely any hesitation, throws her because he knows that she is strong enough. She knows that he is strong enough. Yep. They're strong together. And that is the beauty of a good superhero team and a good marriage. Agreed. So race? So race. (laughs) 
can I can I talk a little bit? Since we've talked a bit about gender, I want to go a little bit into a very famous scene that, frankly, I always find quite funny, but is sexist and racist. Is the scene where Frozone is, where is my super suit? Yeah. And we get this very caricatured African-American woman who we never see. So how do I know she's African-American? Because she's playing along strongly into type and tropes. Yeah, exactly. And because it's very tropey and like, and it's offensive that we don't see her at all. We just don't get to see this woman's face who is talking. Mm -hmm. And, but also it's very, yeah, it was just very, very stereotyped and very, uh, gender stereotyped. Yeah. With this henpecking woman and this. And the joke. Yeah. You know, the joke is about uh, their priorities are misaligned, and but that's a built on a sexist. Women don't understand the real priorities of the world, and they're yes. focused on insignificant. Like your night is the most important thing, and they're the joke is, haha. Uh, you know, they have different priorities in life. Mm-hmm. Pretty large, but the movie is showing us his priorities are correct. Yes, exactly. Right? She is uh, small-minded and petty mm-hmm. by saying my night is more important than saving the lives of all these people. Yeah. And that's playing on stereotypes of women as being small-minded and petty and their domain is the house and the man's domain is the world. And you just worry about your night. I'm going to go off and save the world, honey. Mm-hmm. Uh, all this stuff that... Uh, they confront head on with Helen with the last girl, but then they reproduce it. They present it for a gag here. Yeah. Presumably she's not, doesn't have any superpowers, but that yeah doesn't matter. Yeah. I agree. I, I don't find that scene as funny as everyone else does. It's kind of funny. Yeah. But I have never, I've always found it problematic in terms of how it represents both race and gender. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about the, uh, the philosophy of this movie? In terms of supers versus non-supers? Yes. Why don't you get into it, Paul? This is far from, I'm far from the first person to make this observation, but so people say about this movie that it is, uh, and a movie about uh, exceptionalism, exceptionalism about knowing your place, about not trying to be uh, outside of your natural uh, role in life. So the superheroes are exceptional people, and uh, Mister Incredible complains about the school rewarding mediocrity, and mediocre people aren't worth paying attention to. Uh, society rewards mediocrity and it makes everything worse for everyone and exceptional people should be allowed to be exceptional they should have their exceptional place doing exceptional things and Buddy's major uh, flaw, major sin in this movie 
is trying to go from being a regular person to being an exceptional person, and you're not allowed to do that. He mm-hmm. would have been better if he had stayed just being regular. That's what people say about this movie. And his, like, the horrible thing that he wants to do is erase exceptional people. Yes. I'm going to have my fun, and then I'm going to give everyone superpowers, and when everyone is super, no one will be, because to give, because equality is villainous Yeah. in this movie. What do we think about all of that? Well, I mean, I'm not necessarily sure that I buy it, that that's what the movie is saying. Hmm. Uh, but what do we think about it? The movie's sort of saying it. I mean, definitely they have the line of when everyone is super, no one is. I feel like that's mocking the culture of everyone gets a first prize ribbon, everyone gets a participation badge for doing so good. There are special people, but there also, like, is a problem with exceptionalism. and, And I just think that Buddy's position is defensible. Yeah. But maybe that's what makes him a good villain. Yeah. And interesting to watch is that you can kind of, the more you watch this movie, the more you go, maybe Buddy is right, but he does it in the wrong way. And doing something right for the wrong reasons is often what makes someone villainous. Yeah. It's the difference between a villain that we, that, that is has dimension enough to be worth watching and a, a villain that doesn't. Mm-hmm. The best kind of villains either do the right thing for the wrong reasons or the wrong thing for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Like, the line, when everyone's super, everyone's special, that means no one is. When everyone's super, no one will be. It's repeated twice. Yeah. Once by Dash and once by Buddy. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of those times the character is, uh, has a clear view on the world when they're saying that. I think both mm-hmm. of those characters are characters who are misunderstanding the world that they're interpreting for us. Yes. And so I don't think we should put too much stock in their interpretation of the world. Hmm. Right? So a lot of people want to read this movie and say, like, the movie thinks that. The movie thinks that if you make everybody special, you make nobody special. The movie thinks that Dash has scored a point against his mom when she says, everyone's special. And he says, it's the same thing, no one is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think he has scored a point in that argument. No. I think that he, what Dash misunderstands is that everyone is special means everyone is special, but not in the same way as each other. And we see that in the family, that the reason that their superhero powers are so different from each other, and yet they work best when they stack on to each other, that uh, what... uh, What would be wrong is asking Violet to run fast, because... She has, she does have things special. They're just not the same special things as Dash. Right. And that Buddy's mistake is not uh, trying to be special when he isn't. It's trying to be special in the, in a way that he isn't. So he uses his intelligence to try to reproduce a kind of uh, exceptionalism that he doesn't have. Yeah. Whereas if he used his intelligence, that is special. That is exceptional. Uh, his... And if he uses it, instead of trying to reproduce superpowers, if he used it to invent things to help the world, he could have been a hero. Yes, that's very true. Right? 
So I think what the movie is actually telling us is a little more nuanced and complicated than what people want to flatten it down to, that this is a movie about how special people are special and then there are unspecial people who aren't special. Mm-hmm. Right? What makes a hero is doing heroic things and Buddy never does anything heroic. Yeah. And that what makes what would make him capable of doing heroic things is using his actual gifts for the purpose of helping. Mm-hmm. Uh, which he never, we never see him as a kid or as an adult. He never wants to help anyone. No. Right? He just wants to be Mr. Incredible. Yeah. He wants to be a person who is recognized as being heroic, like even as a child, when he's Incrediboy, he's doing the exact same thing that he's doing as Syndrome, which is role-playing as a hero Mm -hmm. rather than acting heroic. And that's not about ability. This isn't a, that isn't, he, as a character, isn't a commentary on ability. He misunderstands it and he tries to present it as if it is a commentary on ability. Mm -hmm. But that's not what the movie is saying. That's what he is misunderstanding Mm -hmm. about his place in the world. He thinks that it's about power. Yeah. But it's really about uh, goodwill or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Those are all excellent points. My other question about this movie is, uh, what is this movie telling us or saying? What is this movie's position on fans? Well, we only have one fan that's Buddy, so that's a negative thing about... Yeah. Well, crazy fans are not good. Obsessive fans that would get into your car with you. I feel like this is a movie uh, in the same vein as Toy Story 2, also by Pixar. This is another movie of Pixar's where they show, where they kind of are dumping on fans. Hmm. They present someone who is a fan as someone who is crazy and irrational and uh, Hmm. childish and uh, fixated in their adulthood on things that they should have let go of. And when Syndrome says, like, I've outgrown you, he hasn't really, though. Yeah. Uh, It's just a movie that, especially when you pair it with Toy Story 2, the other the only Toy Story movie that we've talked about here on Way Too Seriously. Mm-hmm. It gives us a Pixar that is giving us a, a fairly uncharitable understanding of what it is to be a fan. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. Basically, that it doesn't it hints that there might be good fans, but it never shows us them. It definitely hints. It definitely likes to talk about, yeah, negative portrayals of. Of fans, yeah. which is a shame because I'm a fan of lots of things. Exactly. But not to the point of getting in someone's car or hurting anyone to get what I want. So there's you, that. You know, if Superman was real and I was smart enough to invent rocket boots, I am not guaranteeing <laughs> that I would not have been like, hey, I can fly. Can I hang out with you? <laughs> and would that have made me so bad? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, yes it would. <laughs> it's like say, it's like saying, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I'm an actor. I can, can, I'm not an actor in real life, but I'm an actor. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go hang actor. out. I only play one on TV. <laughs> yeah. I can go like hang out at an actor's house, pretend to be, because I can, was in a th- play once. I don't know. This uh, metaphor got away from me. <laughs> clearly. Well, I think, did you have anything else too seriously to take? No, I think I'm about done. I, I no, I think that that's it. Is it good? Is it seriously good? It's good. 
Yep. It's really good. Yep. No argument at all? Good. No, no. The mo- this is a good movie. I like this movie a How lot. How about Seriously? Um, it's almost. <laughs> almost. Seriously almost good? Seriously almost good. I think it's seriously good. I think there are things that it's seriously uh, flawed. It's not seriously perfect. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I would like to call it, maybe almost good is the right word where you started, actually. Mm-hmm. It's seriously almost good. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> Should take a little clip of that and just put it on your phone and play it. I was right. I was right. <laughs> uh huh. So, do you have thoughts on The Incredibles? Do you have thoughts on being super or not super? And do you like that scene of with the honey, where's my super suit? A lot of people do. Most people do. Yeah. Well, how would you get in contact with us if you want to talk about that, Paul? You could talk to us on Twitter at WTSCast. You can send an email way too seriously cast at gmail.com. Also, if you like our show, head on over to that review tab and give us a rating or review that helps other people find the show. Tell your friends about way too seriously. Get the word out there. Yeah. And if you love us extra much and want to show us with your a little bit of money, <laughs> <laughs> you can give us a, a little as little as a dollar a month. As much as whatever you want on patreon.com slash clockworkscast. And until next time, I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. And when everyone is a podcaster, no one will be. (laughs) 